from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps in Jersey. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling and Golf Recap Show for December 14th, 2018, which must mean Steve Hennessy from Golf Digest, Associate Editor, is with us. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Hey, Jeremy. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. How did I not manage to have you on the entire calendar year 2018 until now? You just had so many other great guests. I, I, I guess so. I guess so. Let's start here. Um, you're one of the few people on the planet that is who, who, who I can talk to um, who has played Shadow Creek, um, which was the site, of course, of the match. Um, it's a very unique golf course. It's uh, flat all around it, and that place is just like, wow. Uh, it, it had Phil Mickelson out of breath about three holes in. Um what was uh, just before we get to the match and before we get to how they set it up um as listeners know uh 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 steve is is uh is a major part of the golf digest ranking uh, uh sorry course rating and, and uh, ranking program um so you've got to play some really cool venues where does shadow creek rank what were your impressions what was it like what was the atmosphere like um Playing it because you you know sometimes when you w- play these pristine or famous golf courses you just you feel like you're walking on holy land so kind of what was the, what what was your feeling as you were playing it? Right, yeah, it was cool. I got to play it about a month before uh, the Tiger the match, so you know I kind of went there knowing that you know these guys were going to be there so you know so soon after me. So I tried to visualize all the shots on every tee, you know, we didn't play all the back tees because they were actually roped off uh, to preserve the the teeing grounds for Tiger and Phil. So I just kind of walked back to every tee and, and visualized where they were playing. So that was a neat thing during the telecast. I could could really visualize where they were and, you know, having st- stood there and uh, seen the shots that they were playing. Um, it Shadow Creek's a tremendous place. It's it's really insane the, the work that uh, Tom Fazio and Steve Wynn did there. The, the price has been reported at $43 million to, to build the place, and I've heard that tens of millions of those dollars were just for trees alone, because if you think about building a golf course in the middle of a desert, there's no trees anywhere. So uh, Steve Wynn had Tom Fazio figure out where to get trees from, and he, trees were transported uh, I think at first from North Carolina uh, and there are there's so much pine straw on the ground it, it really feels like you are in North Carolina if you didn't know or didn't look up at the mountain ranges in the background the topography kind of feels like the foothills of North Carolina kind of feels like Quail Hollow a little bit um, with you know experience wise they kind of Steve Wynn wanted to make it like Augusta National um, mixed with Sherwood Country Club, which he had played a lot being a Los Angeles guy. And uh, and I think Quail Hollow comes into it with Tom Fazio having worked there. Um, so it, it is incredible. Um, I think it got kind of a raw deal on TV. The, the greens looked like they were, that, that they had been punched maybe a week before. Yeah, and which is... I think yeah, they, they putted fine. Uh, you know, it's not like they were bumpy like you were playing uh, punched greens, but 
I think they were a little slower than Phil and Tiger were used to because they've played there a bunch of times. Phil had the course record for uh, a long time until Tiger actually took that over and Fred Couples has also tied the, the course record at 60 there that was hanging in the in the bathroom. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think that had a little effect on how they putted during the match and they left a bunch of putts short, which was kind of unfortunate. It happened throughout. Um, but the place is in such perfect shape. I mean, uh, conditioning-wise, it, it, it's hard to get much better. And it, you just can't believe how green and lush everything is in the middle of the desert. And, you know, they spend an absorbent amount of money just to, to keep the thing green, which, you know, you can say what you want about it. But the experience is unbelievable you know you have to show up in a limo uh you can't just drive up like you were just telling me off the air about trying to drive up to liberty national you, you can't do that at even if you're playing the golf course at shadow creek you can't drive up in your own car you have to be transported from a limo from an mgm property because that's who uh owns shadow creek and you have to be staying in an mgm property so, you know, you you ride up, uh, you know, from Las Vegas where you're staying on the Strip, about a 20-minute drive to uh, Shadow in this limo, and you know, you feel like uh, you feel like a baller, and you show up at the at the clubhouse, and the clubhouse really looks like Augusta. It's it's pretty uh, understated and has that kind of country understated elegance to it, uh, and you know, they greet you, and the whole place is yours for the day. The the caddy kept saying uh, we had one of the best caddies there and he kept saying you know this place is yours for the day you guys own this place you can do whatever you want and that's kind of the mentality there it's a it's a uh, oasis for you know Vegas ballers and you know it's 500 bucks to play it so it's not cheap and it's actually going up to 600 next year uh, we're told so it's almost in that pebble category I guess it is because pebbles you know, right around there. Um, so, anyway, that's kind of the experience. It's golf course wise, it, it's a great course. Really memorable front nine. Um, some really interesting holes. The drivable eleventh uh, was awesome. I you know, we played tees from like two fifty, and I you know got onto the front little collar there, which was which was cool. I think uh, Tiger and Phil played it about sixty yards back, so they hit an iron off that tee, so that kind of took away from the excitement of that hole a little bit. Um, and the fifth hole, the the par three, what Steve Wynn and Tom Fazio did with the trees is incredible. They, they dug about 60 feet below the desert floor to create this rainforest effect as if you're hitting you're hitting your tee shot on this par three above a rainforest. So these trees are kind of popping up out of the ground way below 60 feet below uh, the desert ground and you're you're hitting your tee shots of this this green which is such a cool green it sloped left to right if you remember the match uh, I believe Phil made a birdie there or no he left his birdie putt short which he did a lot uh, I happened to birdie that hole so I, so I bring that up for selfish reasons <laughs> uh, so anyway uh, it, it, it is a great course it's it's in Golf Digest. Uh, I think it's in the 30s in our top 100, and for a time it was is in the top 10, and uh, you know it, it's deserving of its place. 
Um, okay. I, I don't talk finance on this show. I, I don't. Finance is a personal thing. You know, uh, uh, personal finance, that is. Um, but I, I hope you will allow me to, to make an exception for this. Um, b- because Shadow Creek requires you to arrive in a limo, were you able to expense the limo when you did your expense reports? <laughs> Okay. Uh, That's you know, the, your stay, your hotel at the MGM uh, casino. You know, you pay for that, and the limo is kind of part and parcel with that. That is crazy. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. Um, here's my other question about Shadow Creek. Was that manufactured 19th hole there? Were you able to play it? Did you hear about it? Uh, like, like, what no. was the situation involving that? That, that I think that was. Um, that was not obvious at all to, to us when we were there. Um, and I couldn't even really picture when that was all happening on TV where that even was because when you're standing on the putting green, you don't envision hitting a shot to the 18th green. But, you know, when, then you think about it and you say, yeah, okay, I guess you could do that. So they, they kind of did all that after we were there and, you know, put the, the nice Capital One logo right in front of that putting green, you know, just in case that happened to go to the 19th hole, they were prepared with the, the sponsorship and they certainly were. Uh, the 18, the real 18th hole is great. It's a great finish. It's a part yeah. five. A little short for the pros is 500 yards, but really good hole. Uh, really tough second shot as we saw them play a couple times. So, um, no, it did not play the the 19th hole, uh, which determined the fate of the Tiger Phil match. Um, one last thing on, on, on Shadow Creek. We're talking to Steve Hennessy from Golf Digest. Um, Vegas, I'm not sure how many times you've been to Vegas in, in, in your life, but it's known for its extravagance. It's known for being over the top. If it's not over the top, you have a problem. Um, my, my favorite Vegas story, I was there for a bachelor party. Um, last April, I can, I can tell the story on the air because it's totally rated G. I can't drink for medical reasons. Um, I went to a club, Dre's Nightclub. I will happily say their name on, on this show because this story is just that crazy. Um, and I went up and I asked for water from the bar. And they said, we don't give you water, but we will give you a bottle of water. I said, okay. So, so you won't give me a glass of water? No. I said, okay, so I'll take the bottle. She goes, that's $20. <laughs> and I'm like... Welcome to Vegas. I'm like, or no, no, it was 10 and I had a 20, which means I got $10 change. I'm like, are you kidding me? Water in a bar is $10? Wow. <laughs> so here I am. That's about right for Vegas. So I go back to the dance floor, which is where my friends were, and the picture's on my Facebook for uh, those of you out there who know me. It's on Facebook. It is me holding a bottle of Evian water on a dance floor in Vegas. I'm like, so, like, yeah, that, that's my favorite crazy Vegas story. It sounds as if Shadow Creek fits in with that extravagance and over-the-topness of Vegas. Um, is that right? Oh, it, it exemplifies that to a T. Yeah, I mean, building a $43 million golf course in the middle of the desert uh, in the 90s when nothing else is around it. I mean, that's, that's Vegas, and that's why it works, and, you know, People, I think high rollers will pay six hundred dollars for 
this experience. It's the kind of course you, you do. Uh, you, I think every golfer should play once in their life, or you know, if they're out there and they have the money to spare, if they're doing well at the tables, go play it. Um, you know, it's kind of like Pebble, where you know people say you got to play it once, but I think Pebble kind of leads you to, to go back there even more. I think you appreciate the architecture. It has such history, obviously, throughout the years in golf. Whereas Shadow Creek is, it's more about the experience than the golf course. The golf course is really good, but it's really about the experience. So if you care more about the experience, you know, you would be more apt to go back there. That's interesting, and, and I'll happily throw out the plans for this radio show because I, I think we're having an interesting conversation, and I'll just keep it going, and, and who cares about the plans we had? You've played Pebble. you played it with family. Family is hugely important to you. Mm-hmm. I feel like Pebble is the ultimate like family bucket list venue that you would throw money at that may not be in your normal budget just because of the uniqueness, especially if you're with family. As somebody who has played Pebble um, and and played it and and had a you know just amazing experience, which you've talked about on the show before, um, does it change the way you look at a golf course? Because there are some golf courses that are great to play with family, but they're 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 so tough to where you you walk off and it's like oh my god I had to tr- you know trudge through all this and you know it was just it, it was it was a long day and both of us are exhausted and the golf course was hard. Pebble is a difficult golf course on uh, you know on the surface depending on what condition it's in, but it also seems like it's one of those places that. You just put all that away because you're with family, especially if it's a bucket list thing. What was, as you think back on the Pebble um, time now, is it the golf course that sticks out? Is it the architecture? Is it is it is it anything golf course related, or was it golf experience related? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all of it, and they do a good job of embracing uh, having your whole family there. Like I've told the story on your podcast of how they let uh you know my niece walk with us on pebble so you know it was my first time around pebble it was her first time walking pebble and you know i walked it with my brother and his father-in-law and his brother-in-law so to kind of share that experience with them was you know something i'll never forget and one of the really one of the best experiences uh golf-wise of my life and um you know even if i go back and play pebble 10 more times which I would love to um, I've only played it once but that moment will you know live with me as one of my best golf moments and I think that's because Pebble understands that you know there's more to a, a round of golf than just what you shot it's the whole experience you know um, and I think the, the thing about Pebble too that makes it such a good place for your family and your experience is there's so much to do outside of golf whereas a trip for a golfer, you know, to any of the bucket list places. So to, you know, Bandon Dunes, to Pinehurst, to, uh, and Sea Island is, is like this too. There's a lot to do in Sea Island. So, you know, you should give them credit for that. But maybe Whistling Straits, there's, you know, not as much. When you're at Pebble Beach, you know, you bring your whole family and everyone has something to do, you know, for an entire week if you're there for that long, you know, in terms of, you know, the resort and then going going into Monterey and exploring all the outside areas. That's what makes Pebble such a unique experience, I think, because 
you know, you're right on the water. There's endless amount of things to do at night, whether it's, you know, the bagpipers at Spanish Bay and uh, getting drinks at the lodge and the rocks bar at Pebble. Um, all the various non-golf things to do, you know, make it the perfect family trip uh, for a golfer. And, you know, in the same way that Sea Island also offers all of those great amenities, you know, I, I, I would point to those two as the best. And not that Pinehurst doesn't necessarily have those things, because if you did go as a family to Pinehurst, they are building more things around it now. There's a bunch of awesome breweries in the Pinehurst area. So, you know, there's more more things to do outside of golf there, but I, I don't think you could match Pebble in terms of uh, an experience-wise and you know, probably won't ever be able to match it in terms of what my experience was at Pebble uh, you know, for myself and my family. Uh, and you can see why Jim Nance moved there. Um, talking with yeah. with uh, Steve Hennessy uh, from Golf Digest. All right, let's roll through this because um, I don't have a lot of time with you and obviously... I threw out the script because I just love the conversation we were having. Um, so I'm going to roll through some names from 2018 and just give me your underlying thought, just just your, your, your bottom line thought about what took place in 2018 with these people. Number one, Patrick Reed and the Masters victory. Well, such a historic win for him. Uh, such a thrilling Sunday, too, I think. You know, 2018 is so complicated for Patrick Reed. It started out so amazing for him. And, uh, you know, with the Ryder Cup and all the other headlines that he's made, I think people are forgetting how great he played that Sunday. And, and you know, Ricky Fowler made a run at him. John Rahm made a run at him. That leaderboard was packed. Yep, Spieth made a run at him. He, yeah, you know, all these guys have such a good leaderboard. And he, he really you know, won the thing and he, uh, you know, could have crumbled down the stretch. He had a couple stroke lead. He, you know, poured the, the birdie put in at 12, which was huge. And, um, you know, even with, did he, no, he did not three putt on 17, right? He had a clutch. Uh, yeah. Had that chip hit the flagstick. That's right. That's right. I mean, he was, the guy was incredible. Um, and you know, unfortunately, after the Ryder Cup and all all that hoopla that's followed, um, I think people have lost sight of that great victory he had and, you know, what should be a career-defining win at the Masters. And uh, hopefully he kind of knows how to proceed just in terms of how people um, picture him and, and how people perceive him. <laughs> By that, I mean just how he kind of handles himself in, in public and his persona, I think. He just has to do a little better job of thinking through everything in his actions first. He's such a competitive guy. And, you know, if you talk to him for five minutes, you'll realize he's probably the most competitive guy, aside from Tiger Woods, maybe, on the PGA Tour. And I think if you look at everything that he does, everything kind of makes sense when you know, when you think about, well, you know, this guy's just the most ultra competitive person on, on tour right now and he wants to beat you know the crap out of everybody and you know that leads to some bad things and things that he regrets that he says and you know I think he'll hopefully learn from those but uh, I hope people don't forget about his, his awesome victory at the Masters let's give a shout out to uh, your your 
uh, 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 to your employer the article by Scott, and I can't pronounce his last name. So yeah, uh, Scott, Scott Michaud. He was yeah. a long time Augusta Chronicle uh, writer, and you know, great follow on Twitter and great writer uh, on all things you know Augusta and Masters related. And the article you're referring to is is Patrick Reed's kind of. 2018 in summary and uh, you know definitely go to golfdigest.com and check that out Scott does a, a great job of kind of summing everything up and adding some uh, you know astute analysis to that and some color from Kevin Kisner that um, will will not be going away anytime soon I think that's <laughs> One of an understatement best quotes of the year. yes and and I think it just speaks I, I, I think you would expect blunt talk from Kisner and Kisner gave you blunt talk. I mean that, that that's as simple as as, as that. Um, Webb Simpson and, and the players. Um, a, a great win for Webb. Um, and again probably a win that goes under the radar when you consider all things twenty eighteen. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he gets credit for the kind of career turnaround that he's undergone. You know, he was a belly putter and, you know, won the US Open at uh, at 2012 at Olympic and you know after that had a kind of a dry spell he still won you know tournaments but this was kind of his return year to uh, you know to, to prominence so props to Webb for that and and think about it too Keegan final game back in the winner's circle he was an anchored putter the problems Adam Scott has had Tim Clark's career ended because of the anchoring ban yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of guys who have had a host of problems, and Webb finally found the way to do it, and just kudos to him. We will skip Brooks Kepka for a second. Francesco Molinari. Um, for, for me, and I think because of what Tiger did at the Tour Championship, the shot in 10 is being remembered uh, more than Francesco's win. But the dude played 36 holes at Carnoustie over the weekend bogey-free. That's insane. Literally insane. I mean, he and again. That was a crowded leaderboard. Again, he was playing, you know, with Tiger Woods going up the leaderboard, and you know, all the the roars and the the crowds even over there uh, at Carnoustie. You know, you could feel the Tiger effect, and uh, to tackle all that and with such poise, he did not look. And there really wasn't a moment where he looked shell shocked at all, or you know, that he tried to hide from the moment he embraced it and that's kind of how far Francesco Molinari has come in his game I mean he, he was never known as like a world beater uh, you know top 10 player in the world before this year but after this year I mean he did so well at the Ryder Cup him and Tommy Fleetwood you know became such a Hollywood uh, yeah such a duo there um that Molinari, you know, he really is one of the European stars in the world. And, you know, if you would have told me that before this year, I, I'm not sure I would have uh, would have really thought that was a, a true thing, but it, it came to fruition in 2018. Um, Justin Rose, FedEx Cup champion. Yeah, uh, you know, nice, nice little payday for J. Rose. <laughs> Tour championship's going to be remembered for Tiger. Yeah. Uh, you know, Justin Rose is probably going to be a, a footnote of, you know, who won the, the FedEx Cup uh, that year. You know, that, that was all Tiger. That was Tiger's day. Um, and, you know, not to take anything away from Justin Rose, but, you know, he's had his, his moments at the U.S. Open and uh, the Olympic gold medal. But, uh, you know, 
tour championship will always be remembered about Tiger in 2018. Brooks Kepka's a superstar, and there's no denying it now. Yeah, uh, you know, three-time major champion. Uh, and if, if you look at the venues that he won, you know, Shinnecock, Belgrave, Aaron Hills, they're all sort of different. They reward different strengths. Shinnecock especially wouldn't have necessarily been somewhere that I would have said Brooks Kepka would have won. But, you know, in some tough conditions Saturday, he played better than, uh, you know, most others. And, um you know, held on to the lead on Sunday in, in warrior fashion. I mean, when when he blasted his tee shot on the 11th hole, the par three there at Shinnecock, you know, way left. That was such a dead area. And to get out of there with a bogey, you know, he still retained a, a lead there. Uh, he was playing with DJ and DJ bogey too. And, uh, you know, the guts and you know all the shots that Brooks Kepka has it's not just hitting it far and straight it's the iron shots to a couple feet it's the insane amount of putts that he made at the PGA at the US Open with all the pressure on him you know with Tiger Woods surging up the Bell Reeve leaderboard at the PGA him just you know showing nerves of steel and knocking in putt after putt getting up and down in spots where he shouldn't have you know his iron game was so good. His game is so complete, um, and you know he emerged as as the superstar in golf in in 2018. And um, you know there there are so many talented players in golf right now. Justin Thomas and uh, Spieth had a down year, but Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, all these guys are so insanely talented. And for Brooks Koepka to you know look so impressive in two majors this year. Uh, you know, hats off to him. Um, and then finally, Tiger. And uh, there are 40 billion podcasts that have talked Tiger. I will not ask the same question about Tiger. I will ask you a different question about Tiger. What was it like working with Alex Myers in 2018? <laughs> uh, a big range of emotions, i tell you that much. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as you as you know, but, uh, you know, for your listeners to know, there's no bigger Tiger Woods fan on this planet, most likely, than Alex Myers, who's our uh, senior writer on GolfDigest.com. And, um, yeah, he, you know, what a Tiger fanboy. And, you know, just kind of going through this year, uh, you know, with his fandom was, was hilarious because there were really so many ebbs and flows and ups and downs to Tiger's year. There was, you know, the near wins, Bay Hill, the Valspar. That, you know, they were very disappointing that he didn't win, but it showed he was back. I mean, the whole year, if you think about it, it was like a perfect crescendo to the Tour Championship. But, you know, there were the struggles in the beginning, Tory and Riviera. There were, you know, the positive signs of the Honda, um, you know, bled the the week in proximity of the hole and you're saying okay you know you know there's some signs here that this is the tiger of old uh and then he comes so close at Ennisbrook at the Valspar and somehow Paul Keaton wins that I mean that might be one of the more hilarious uh moments in our golf digest slack uh chat is you know Paul Casey beating (laughs) Tiger Woods when Paul Casey hasn't made many clutch putts in his career career and uh you know getting ripped on for that as tiger you know finishes second but 
and he almost wins Bay Hill. Falls apart on the 16th with you know the snap hook left there. Um, but there were the signs that his game was rounding into form, and you know it obviously did at Carnoustie, and obviously did at Bellrive. Just coming so close to to getting a major there, and you know prove that he probably can going forward as long as his health uh, cooperates, and then. You know, to get the, the victory at the Tour Championship was kind of the cherry on top this year. So, um, yeah, kind of following Alex Meyer's emotions where it really kind of sums up Tiger fans in general. Um, just how much hope there was after these near, uh, these close calls and, you know, getting everybody fired up again. I mean, if, if you're, if, if you have, any appreciation for what a great athlete could do, you know, Tiger Woods in 2018 is one of the best comeback stories in sports, and you know that's not an original take. A lot of people have said it, but uh, you know, for those of us who are so passionate about golf and so passionate about sports in general, general to see what Tiger did in 2018, you know, we're we're lucky to have have seen these moments because we didn't know if they were going to happen, but we were hopeful they would, and and they did. So. We just got to hope for more of those sort of moments, uh, you know, 2019 and moving forward. Think about Alex's 2018. He becomes a dad and Tiger resurges. I mean, right. I mean, the only thing that's gone wrong for him is the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the Giants. Yes. The Giants and the Knicks. Yes. Uh, and now we're rooting against both teams so, you know, they could get a better draft pick. But, uh yeah, no, great, great year for for Alex and a great year for Tiger. I'm not surprised those two are, are correlated. Um, Steve Hennessy, associate editor, Golf Digest. Um, conc- uh, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making this an annual thing. Um, I'll hopefully have you on way before next December. Um, but <laughs> but uh, thank you as always for coming on, teeing it up. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Have a great day.